What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. Mike Soroka is hurt again, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Well, Graham, it was going a lot better until you just informed me of this Mike Soroka news, which I suppose, I mean, it's kind of rare for us to have breaking news actually on the podcast versus like recording the entire thing and then hearing this breaking news after we've released it. So it's good that we can discuss this Mike Soroka thing, but it's it's very unfair and does not make me feel good. Yeah, it was found out today that Mike Soroka uh, did an additional MRI and discovered that he has to have, I think how Bowman, I think Mark Bowman reported the Braves MLB.com writer said it was exploratory surgery on his Achilles. So God only knows what that means. You know, we know this is a medical uh, podcast, but we don't know what exploratory surgery <laughs> means, Adam. And it has nothing to do with the wrist. So I'm a little lost here in terms of exploratory surgery. Exploratory surgery is nervous just from, you know, from a guy with a medical license, just thinking about the surgery. Well, if you're going to explore, you should know what you're doing with surgery. It shouldn't be exploratory. I assume. Or exploratory it, procedure or something. I don't know. You know, I'm no doctor like you, but I'm assuming it just means the surgery is to go in there and see what else is wrong or why it's injured and not getting better. You know, I, call I, me crazy. I mean, I think you are a little nuts, but I don't think you're uh, so far off. And no, he, he did. He did. He did say they did an MRI and he'll now have to undergo exploratory surgery. So mm. it's still just weird, man. I'm looking at this little article about it on. MLB.com, where it's like just two paragraphs saying basically, oh, you're who you thought was going to be like your ace is now just a constantly injured pitcher that might not have a career anymore. That's not what it's saying, but that's what I'm getting out of it. And then it just says, did you like this story? And two little hands like clapping. No, no I didn't like, we did this, not story. like this story. <laughs> it was very unfair. It yeah. The worst story I could right. see. You I mean, there, there's worse things that could have happened, to but- be fair. Yeah, like if that happened to Acuna, that'd be worse. Right. But, yeah, that sucks. That sucks, Graham. Let's not dwell on it, though. We have depth, and we survived your bachelor party. We, we did survive the bachelor we're, we're party. We're here. I think we feel a little bit more back to normal today than the last couple of days. We're, we're, um, we're with it now. Yeah, we are humans in this world again. Right. Um, yeah, attended a, the packed house on Saturday. I guess we should go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room that we went to what was probably the best Braves game of the year where we had three comebacks in one game to either tie it up or take the lead, including scoring four runs in the 12th inning. And we left in the top of the 12th after we gave up three runs. Which, Jake, can you blame us? No. Jacob Webb's horrible throwing era. You're an Atlanta Braves fan. You know once you go down in extra innings, you're done. It's all it's all over. 99% of the time, especially in the modern era. But I guess we were the fools because once we like got out of the stadium, you just hear people start going ape shit when we're in the battery looking for drinks like the fiends we are. And you see these fireworks go off. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And because of where we were, we didn't have, like, a there wasn't a TV around. So I had to pull out my phone real quick. And we saw in the Bali Sports app, the last thing was uh, Adrianza getting that game-winning hit. 
But what a hell of a comeback when you actually get to watch the highlights. I wish we would have stayed, but we were also getting antsy because, one, we went down big and we thought we were done. Two, no one had had a drink in four innings, and that's just unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, we're in the middle of a bachelor party, and the la- they stopped selling beers in the middle of the 7th, and you're entering the middle of the 12th now, and your team's down, and everyone's just getting sleepy, and it's like, let's just go home and go to bed. No, that would have been unacceptable. I mean, hell, even you looked like you were about to just fall asleep, not from being in a drunken stupor, but just from pure anger. Just anger. It was just radiating on your face. Yeah, which is, isn't worth it in a celebratory atmosphere. So I stand behind our decision to leave, but it is just kind of funny that that happens. Yeah. But, hey, we saw the Pablo home run. That was epic. That was awesome. We invented our own chant during that, which was fun, and uh, it paid off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So good. Felt good to be back at Truist. What, what What was your overall take of being in a packed out uh, ballpark in 2021? It was weird, but like it was weird just being around that. I haven't been around that many people in probably even probably 2019. You know, probably when we went to that game two of the 2019 in LDS was the last time I've been around that many people, and. That might have been the last sporting event I went to. And it was it just felt odd to just have people just all over around you, mask or not. And, you know, we we're all vaccinated and stuff, so it wasn't like I was freaking out. We we're also in open air. But it was a little, initially a little nerve-wracking, but I was just like, we knew this is what it's going to be like. And, you know, put that fucking vaccine to the test. You're willing to take the risk? Fuck it. You know, that was just sort of my attitude with it the whole time. And then I, I was just sort of fine. I only got antsy because we didn't know where we were going to sit. We were trying to go to that standing room only area on right field. It was too packed. You couldn't even see anything. I didn't really care about COVID. I just couldn't see the fucking game. Eventually, by like the second inning or bottom of the second or top of the third, we finally get to our seats and we're able to enjoy the damn game. But uh, I was I felt fine in the in the in the seats in the actual seats. I felt really good. It was it was great to see a game again. It was just frustrating the Braves couldn't do anything for like six innings minus Freddie Freeman's home run. It, it was funny when yeah that finding our seats was was definitely a little strange. We were following people that shouldn't have been leading and it was a whole disaster but i remember walking through the chop house and it's like 11 of us in a line and i just look up and everyone is staring at us and i'm in my head i'm just like what are these people's deals like okay yeah we're wearing a mask like quit staring at us about wearing the masks and then i realized oh we all have these matching like handmade shirts that say shwe 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 that i had made up for graham's bachelor party and that's probably more of the reason why they're staring at us and like mouthing out what the hell do these yeah, I had a lot of shirts say. I had a lot of women staring at me, which never happens. I was like, I'm not an object of anyone's desire, pretty much. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, and I was like, oh, the shirt. The shirt. And then they yeah. go, swish, swish, swish. Right. And then you're like, understood. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So it was a good time. I would recommend, I'll, I'll definitely go to more games this year. It'll, it'll be nice to go to one that's not like full on packed house, I think. Right. Um, but, you know, Saturday night against the Phillies, that's going to happen. And that was a huge game. Yeah, definitely needed that game. And that game really propelled us to win that series. You know, if you lose that game, even if you win Sunday night, you still lose the series. So it's a big week for the Braves in the sense that you sweep the Nationals, take two or three from Philly, close the gap a little bit on the Mets. And, you know, this is where the division is won and lost in these head-to-head matchups in your division. And you got to take advantage of it, and the Braves did that week. And then, of course, we got big news on this past Sunday where what we've been hoping for like the last five months finally happened where the Braves re-signed Shane Green. So he ended up only getting, it was a one-year deal, 
for what, like 1.5 million, but it's getting prorated since he's missed the first month of the season. So he's making like 1.2 million. Um, so there, there's that one of those right-handed arms that we're missing so desperately from last year. So he's going to report to Gwinnett, and apparently he's been throwing bullpens, so it's possible he could be ready to go within a week. Um, I'm sure they're going to get him up here as soon as he looks halfway decent. And, you know, we're getting some reserves coming back. He's back. Chris Martin is back tonight. This is Wednesday, the 12th. Chris Martin's back. And then Newcomb officially was kind of injured, so he needed his time in Gwinnett to get back. So adding the three of them is huge. It, it, I realized the bullpen blew a game last night, uh, and that was in A.J. Minter and Webb as well. Tell you, Webb's kind of... That was your boy at the beginning I know, of the year. I know. I was you, you had a huge argument. Him over Luke Jackson, and man, it doesn't look like that now. And I will also give Luke Jackson his due on that Saturday night game that we went to. He had a one-two-three inning and looked really effective. You know, I think he fell behind the count once. So I hope we can he can have more outings like that. The Shane Green signing is is good. I am a little worried about his analytics, his peripherals. Um, the FIP was in the mid four fives. So for people that need a refresher on the FIP, it's your fielding independent pitching. So it's things that the pitcher can control walks strikeouts home runs that they have more control over than you know the ball gets hit and a guy makes a good play you know like luke jackson um it's always bailing out by his defense for the most part whereas and the same thing has kind of been happening with shane green even though he had a really good era and and whip they're saying that the actual contact against him has been pretty spot on pretty pretty brutal but that you know the defense has done a great job of of bailing him out He's never been a huge strikeout guy. He doesn't have a ton of velocity. So I wonder if that will start to bite him in the ass at all. But regardless of all that, I am glad he's back because he's an above-average pitcher who we know can deliver. We just we just hope that he can do a better job in terms of you know having a better FIP, making sure that the things that he can control, he does a better job of. That's that's what I hope for from, from Shane Green. But, yeah, we definitely need help. I mean, Jacob Webb is um, – doesn't look good. He's pitching a lot of late game scenarios. He had a mental fart on Saturday night where he misfielded a ball, had plenty of time to get the guy out and uh, threw the ball um, to the backstop. And then didn't cover home. And then didn't cover home to where he could have gotten the, the second run that scored. I had already looked down, you know, and was just holding my head in my hands in the stands. And I looked up and saw that someone else had scored. I was like, Jesus Christ. And that's when we left. But, you know, and then last night, there was another kind of weird scenario where Freddie bobbled a ball on a weekly hit play. That eighth inning was just a disaster last night all over the place in terms of the defense. Um, you know, Mentor had a, had a mental fart. Freddie couldn't field a ball cleanly. Then people were getting on um, Webb for not covering first base. I didn't really care about that as much because the important out was at home and Freddie didn't make the play. But overall, Webb hasn't looked good the last few outings, and I think he is uh, – you know, there's a reason. You know, if – if Webb and, and Mentor and everybody, more so Webb and other folks who have struggled have been, have been doing a better job, Shane Green wouldn't have been signed. The front office has acknowledged that this bullpen is in trouble and the people that we are relying on a lot are also being overworked. I mean, I think Mentor has appeared in 18 games out of the, I don't know, 38 that we've, that we've uh, played or however many. So it's like third most in the majors. So not only are some people struggling, but some people are being overused. So we need we need reinforcements. Yeah, so I mean, 
bringing Martin back is just going to be huge. Cause, I mean, I, I'm very con- AJ just needs a couple days off. Yeah, he's and, been I mean, good overall. It, it was bad luck last night with that. I mean, his, his fielding play initially after the leadoff uh, double, I believe. Yeah, where he, he just fielded the little dribbler and didn't didn't throw it anywhere. And we we've seen that a couple times this year with the defense, though, just kind of like not making the plays when you need them. And um, you know, I think that's our third or fourth lost game when we're leading after eight, which we had zero of those last year. So that's that's pretty significant at this point. But like being able to slot some of those guys into lower leverage situations should help out a lot. Yeah, definitely. On, on the good news on the pitching front, Drew Smiley's last start, he looked really good. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of that game. But what I did, did see, I thought he looked really just far more effective getting in front of hitters, keeping people off balance. Um, definitely, you know, through six innings, I think he gave up one run. Yeah, he 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 went into the seventh inning as well. Yeah, he, he, was, he was like you're saying he was pretty effective, and then I guess especially with this alleged Soroka news that you're telling me about, it's a good thing that Bryce Wilson looked really good last night against Toronto, until the that was in the sixth inning when he gave up the two run bomb. Well, I, I put that on Snicker to Guerrero. I put that on Snicker, hundred percent. Why in the hell when you have a base open do you pitch to Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Stupid move to avoid. The bigger inning, you've got, you got. So you the, want to face Teoscar Hernandez or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, there's Hernandez no excuse is, for pitching to him in that scenario. Well, then what if you get like a walk going on and then you just have a blow up inning? I would rather. You already got a guy in scoring position. You already got a guy in scoring position. You're up to nothing. So, so you want to bring the the winning run to the plate? Yeah, because I'd rather face. Guerrero, I mean, I'd rather face Teoscar Hernandez over Vladimir. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a top 25 player in baseball at this point. Teoscar Hernandez is not. Who would I rather face? You look at what Joe Girardi did. Or hell, walk two people. You know, I thought Joe Girardi did a hell of a job that Saturday night game when we had, um, who was it, Ozzy and Dansby coming up or whoever it was. Or no, it was Riley and Dansby. He, there's, only, there's a guy on third. He walks both of them to get to... Contreras and Pache, and it works out. I thought it was a fucking genius move. Why the hell can't we pitch around Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? It's a terrible move. Okay. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't get that, especially with a guy who is starting to show cracks in the armor a little bit, even though he had pitched well all night. How many outs were there? I believe there were two outs, if memory serves. Yeah, he got the first two guys out, and then he gave up that double, and then. Um, and then Guerrero Jr. comes in. So it's like you need one more out. You also have, you know, Grichuk coming up after Hernandez, who had been hot but has cooled off and hadn't gotten a hit the whole night. And, um, you know, I just didn't think it was a good move. So, hell, yeah, you could have walked Guerrero Jr. and Hernandez. It would have been a kind of a uh, a risky move. But I, I, I just do not – I got you got to take the bat out of his hands in that scenario. At least walk Guerrero Jr. and face Hernandez. If Hernandez beats you, so be it. But you were setting yourself up for failure with a guy who was running out of steam, who hadn't pitched in the majors in a while to face Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in that scenario. I disagree that he was running out of steam. He was at 80 pitches and was looking great. Like, it was one bad pitch. I mean, but you kind of jumped ahead of the headline of that was that Bryce Wilson pitched really well yesterday. He did. He did. I just thought it was a bad decision by Snicker. 
Um, but yeah, overall, he was showing the kind of stuff that made him so effective in that Dodgers game last year, elevating his fastball out of the zone, um, but still, you know, threatening the zone. Same with his off-speed pitches. I mean, the way he he struck out the side in the first inning, and he was painting the corners. He was getting ahead of batters, and that wasn't happening as much as he went along through the game. But that first inning, man, that was like the Bryce Wilson we remembered from that that game uh, game four. And overall, he pitched a very good game. Uh, I don't really put any of the the blame on what happened on him. I just think over overall, he looked fantastic, and that was super encouraging. You're exactly right in light of the Sorokin news, and just in general. Yeah, six innings, two runs, zero walks, five Ks. Yeah, I think going into that game, we would have taken that from Bryce. So oh, unfortunately, totally. unfortunately, the offense couldn't get a little more than they did. And then what's frustrating <laughs> is that Azuna hits a home run the next inning to take the lead, and then we just blow it. We just blow it hard. Yep, yep, yep. Eighth inning was certainly a disaster. And right now, the Blue Jays are just our arch nemesis. Yeah, like beating us for four games. Four in a row, and we look great in all the games that were not playing Toronto recently. Mm-hmm. So it it still gives you – I thought we had kind of turned a corner, especially with that game Saturday and then following it up with a really solid win on Sunday against Aaron Nola, where you know once again is like looking like a legit all-star at this oh, point God. in time. Yeah, he's got to be considered for that. I mean, he's been um, incredible. Once again, had an outstanding performance on Sunday Night Baseball. Um, really, I think the big thing for Huasker going forward is he's been really effective with this two-pitch approach. I think he needs to develop a third pitch. I think in the long run he will. But the fact that we're getting this from him right now is just no one saw this coming. Who would have thunk on May 12th, that Huasker Noah would be the best pitcher on this staff. Not a fucking person in the world. So hats off to him. Unbelievable. Right. And and the other good news on the pitching front that we haven't discussed yet on this podcast, Max Fried looked like Max Fried last week as well. Yes. In his last start against Washington. He was attacking the zone again. He had that just bulldog look that we know and love about Max Fried going on. So that was that was very promising, and it, it does seem like his little time away uh, injured kind of just helped him get his focus back. He realized he watched a lot of film, realized what he was doing wrong, and he's got to be a race again. Soroka is not going to be around. No, and hopefully this isn't a career thing for Soroka, but you know it's certainly not promising. Has he even pitched like a full season at this point in his career? No. Like, combined games? No. No. So, you know, I don't know if that's... That's why you don't give these young pitchers huge contract extensions after they show you something for half a season. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the great things about arbitration. You know, you got to keep paying guys a little bit more money. And it doesn't really blow you up, blow up your payroll until they're they're out of that stuff. I think um, another person who's maybe turned a corner a little bit is Freddie Freeman. Definitely playing a lot better over the last four or five games than he has been, um, particularly starting with that Phillies game on Saturday night. Look, just it's only been three games, so I guess it hasn't been really that much. But, you know, he hits a home run, draws a walk. I know he had another big game on that Sunday night game, got a couple hits. I think he drew another walk. And then uh, got another hit and another walk last night. So he's just his approach looks better at the plate. Even when he made uh, his first at-bat on Saturday night, he had a good at-bat. He laced it. It was just right at the second baseman. So I think we're starting to see – Freddie turn a corner a little bit, um, at least I hope so, because, man, it's been tough sledding for Freddie. Yeah, it looks like he's having fun again. What, was it that was that in the Washington series where Snit benched him? Yeah. 
you know, it takes a lot for Freddie to not be in that lineup, but Snit just saw him the game before and just saw how dejected he looked. And that's just not something you get out of Freddie normally. So the day off that we somehow won, that was the Smiley game. Um, maybe that did him some good. So, yeah, I mean, overall the offense looks like it's coming around. We just need to not play the Blue Jays. That's what it comes down to. Well, thank God they're in the AL East. We've got to see them, I think, two more times tonight and tomorrow at a getaway, gay, a getaway day. So Max Fried goes tonight against Hyunjin Ryu. And that's going to be another tough game. So it's just frustrating not to get like two of these games we should have had against the Blue Jays. But you could also say that we should have lost that game against the Phillies that we won on Saturday night. So it's like, you know, it all evens out. You are what you are at the end of the day. And uh, the Braves, I think, are still kind of treading water. But the good news is, once again, that the rest of the division is still kind of treading water. I mean, no one has has really broken away. I mean, and the Mets are up three games on the Braves. They're 18 and 13. We're 17 and 18. But it's far from over. I mean, hell, the Nationals and Marlins are still in it, too, and they're five games back. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long time before this is decided. But I think the Mets are starting to turn on a little bit with a seven-game winning streak. And um, they're five. Seven-game winning seven streak. Seven-game winning streak. Wow. They swept the Orioles. Um, or I think they're about to sweep the Orioles. And these guys, man, everybody was calling them at the beginning of the year as being the team to watch out for in the East. And I still don't think you can say that yet, given how young the season is and the struggles of everyone. But um, – they're starting to turn it on, and and we better start paying attention to them and taking them as a serious threat. Have we played them yet? No, okay. I don't think so. So th- those will be some huge series coming up, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of them stacked against each other. I'd like I'd like to bring up something that we had an argument about at the game, Graham. Mm-hmm. Christian Pache, mm. you've been extremely lenient with his bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bat that the last seven games is one for 23. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just say the whole year. I mean, he's barely hitting over 100. Yeah, and he's a good bunter. I'll give him that much. Yeah. Almost hit a home run last night, to be fair. He also got a hit last night. Yeah, it was, was a, the same it, thing. It was a double. Yeah, it was a double. Uh, about a foot, foot from being a home run. It's few and far between, though. But I, I think he's a guy, and I'm not saying he's a bust or anything, but he's been god-awful. And I think as soon as either Ender or Heredia is ready to get called up, and Ender's been playing in Gwinnett the last week, you know, getting a hit or two a night, let's get that bat. I know I know you are going to say Ender's terrible, but a guy that's hitting 119 on the year or whatever he's hitting – is it 119 or is it worse than that? It's probably worse than that. No, it's, yeah, it's 119. <laughs> like, that is not worthy of being in our lineup and being essentially an automatic out. Well, particularly with a team, and you know, when I said to give his bat a long leash, it was with, under the assumption, which was foolish of my part, that, you know, everybody was going to be back and kicking ass, you know, doing the same stuff they were doing last year. That's never how it works. The only person that's really exceeded expectations so far is Ronald Acuna Jr., with his major league leading 11th home run last night. but A bullet. It was just, yeah, it was awesome. Um, but everyone's struggled. I mean, even the people that are starting, you're seeing signs of life from like Dansby and Ozzy and Freddie 
Um, they've struggled. Ozuna continues to struggle. Ozuna's home run last night was fucking lucky, in my opinion, because it was an 0-2 count, and the guy threw him a fastball, and he grooved it. It's still like any off-speed pitch. I love to look up the stats of Ozuna on off-speed pitches and what his batting average and all the metrics are because, my God, he still looks so confused up there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a little worried about Ozuna, too. I'm worried about everybody. So I agree in the sense that to help the team win, you can – I think Heredia showed that he was the guy. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last, but the minute he's healthy, I'd like to bring him back up and maybe let Pache develop some more skills down in AAA just in the interest of, like, we got to watch out for these Mets, man. They've won seven in a row. We've got to start making moves or else we're going to look up in a few weeks and be down seven or eight games. Like, we can't, we can't fuck around. Yeah, I mean, and I know it's early in the season, but, you know, we're in a crisis mode a little bit. The crisis mode is starting to happen. And we can't have, like you're saying, automatic outs. So I'm I'm more in agreement in the sense of for the team's sake, he needs to go down. But if it was everybody was still doing amazing and Travis Darno was healthy and blah, 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 I'd still be like, oh, it's fine. Let Pache keep doing what he's doing. But this, things have changed. I will say one thing that's going to help us out a lot is the fact that the AAA season started last week. And like last year, you would have all these guys, your Bryce Wilson's, your Pache's at the time, just like at the alternate training site, not playing real games. But the fact that these guys are now playing competitive baseball again, I think that's why Bryce Wilson was able to come up last night and not look like a deer in headlights. Like he had been playing competitive games. He'd been like an absolute beast in Gwinnett going into that. I think he had like seven straight scoreless starts in Gwinnett going into that. Uh, We've got Arcia down there, my boy, we traded from the Brewers. Had a three-home run game. He's knocking at the door just ready to get a spot up here somewhere. And it's, it's unfortunate we don't have, like, between Arcia and uh, what's your boy's name? Adrianza. Adrianza, mm-hmm. that neither of those guys could play center. Yeah, because you got to think about it. If you put Adrianza in the outfield, then Acuna's going to have to slide to center field. And you, you don't want Acuna to get that wear and tear on his body of playing center field no. anymore. So... He's the only guy that could play center field besides a Heredia or Ender who's not going to have the same bat that you could get from an Arcia or Adrianza. Hell, I, I mean, I'd put Heredia with what he was doing before he got hurt over any of those other two guys. Adrianza's been so clutch, though. Yes, yes, I would agree recently. Um, but I would say Heredia... You know, when he was playing every day, I mean, he had an OPS over 1,000. He was kicking ass. He was hitting home runs. It was very uncharacteristic, and I hope that he can – like, when he comes back, I would love to see him in the center field. And I think you could make the move. In a, I would be okay in the meantime if you were, say, for the next five or six games or whatever, Acuna's playing center and Adrianza is going to go to right or left or whatever. How are you going to do it? Because we need more offense in this lineup. we got too many guys who are continuing to struggle or who haven't fully turned the corner. By the time this is re- released, finishing up the series of the Blue Jays, we got the Brew Crew in town this weekend, and then those Mets next weekend, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yep, huge at, series at home. So this this is a big long homestand. Well, actually, we're at Milwaukee, but then we got another seven at home. So let's take advantage of that. Take a, a take advantage of the legit home field advantage that we have with the hundred percent crowds that a lot of people still don't have at this point. And, uh, you know, yeah, try to keep pace with him. So one thing I'm really looking out for, Adam, is Charlie Morton, who has struggled mightily over his last uh, two starts. I know 
that he uh, was a little screwed over in that last game against the Phillies where he didn't really give up any earned runs. But he also gave up four hits and two-thirds of an inning, which is awful. And then he got absolutely shell-shocked by Toronto, um, you know, in, in the start before that. And he's given up, a, you know, five home runs and seven starts. I mean, I have not been – he makes good pitches. You're right. He just has those blow-up innings, it feels like. And he's got to start correcting that. I'm all for October Charlie and all that stuff, but – you know, he's also got to help us get there. Sure. Yeah, no, we, we we need a lot more out of him, especially with Soroka not being here. Morton's got to step up and be that number two or three guy. Yeah. At this point, so yeah, I mean, him and Smiley, man. I mean, it was it was great to see Smiley do something. We had, we had pretty much given up on him. Um, I'm st- he's still not off the hook, obviously, but it was great to see progress. And let's just. Continue to see that from Charlie as well, or see it for the first time from Charlie. But, uh, yeah, we, we need a lot more from a lot of people. Yeah. We Fortunately, just... we won't have to speak of Nate Jones again. He God. was officially released. My boy, Carl Edwards Jr., lasted like two games in the majors, and he was officially released. So a lot of these retreads are, didn't work out early on, and they're moving on, so I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, not messing around there, so... I don't know. Let's see what happens once this bullpen gets strengthened, as is about to happen over the next week or two. I think if that piece of our team can be stabilized, and I think if the rotation gets more consistent, the off we just got to get some more consistency. We can't keep screwing around like we're doing right now. We got to get some more consistency from everyone up and down the up and down the the roster, other than Acuna, um, and maybe Matzik and Will Smith's been pretty decent recently. But it's like everyone else, I'm kind of looking at you. Like, where is the real version of this person? To have such a precipitous drop-off from where all these guys were last year is just mind-blowing to me. It's really frustrating. So, let's talk about your Atlanta Hawks, Adam. Square! Thank you, Mr. Hawk, for making your triumphant return. Square! Square! These Hawks are facing down the last week of their season. Crazy, right? Yeah, and are fresh off a one-point victory against the Wizards. I was about to say the Bullets. They were the Bullets at one point. Yeah, a, ver- a very ugly victory. It was horrible. Up 19, <laughs> looking great, and then just an absolute collapse uh, that almost resulted in a loss. But DeAndre Hunter's back at him, and that was encouraging to see. Yeah, uh, he's back. Yeah, that, that came against the Wizards. It was without Bradley Beal. But Russell Westbrook just completely went off in that fourth quarter and set the all-time record for triple-doubles. And also, I guess we just completely forgot what the concept of defense is at all. Well, yeah. What's and, yeah. And, and it was a weird throwback game as well in the fact that our starters were all really good, but the bench did absolutely nothing. Um, where we, we've seen earlier... And last week where we beat the number one team in the West, the Suns, and our bench was just lights out. Mm-hmm. I think that, that was the game where no one had more than 18 points in the game. And it was like you could truly see the great potential of this team. But, uh, yeah, that Wizards game, no bueno. I think they know that. Yeah. But, hey, I mean, a win is huge right now at this point of the year. Still trying to figure out these seeds. Right, and that Suns win was unbelievable. Yeah. Best game of the year, hands down. Everybody just was on fire 
like you mentioned, um, I don't think anyone scored over 19 points. We blew them out. It was like a 20, 30-point victory, somewhere in that range. Um, the game was over by the you know the fourth quarter. That was uh, that was really great to see. I think um, you know something to keep an eye on is Trey Young. In terms of he's he had a great game against the Wizards. He's had you know I think he's looked better the, uh, over the course of the year. You know he dropped thirty six and nine uh, against Washington. But he shot one for seven from three point range, and he just shot I think thirty two percent over the last month and some change from three point range which is a little disconcerting, but the good news about that is that other guys have stepped up in place of Trey not being effective from the three-point line, and Trey has still been effective overall, even though he's not making his three-pointers like he usually does. You know, he's 13 of 13 from the free-throw line, he's dishing out eight, nine assists a game, and then you got Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's still the hottest three-point shooter in the league. I think he's shooting over 50% over the last few weeks or something like that. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Um you know, John Collins is stepping up. He had a big game, 28 points, eight boards. Um, I, you know, Capella is still just a monster on the inside. It's just so refreshing to see other people being able to carry. I say carry Trey like he's not doing anything. Of course, he's still doing stuff. But, you know, you can have a bad three-point shooting night from Trey, and you still have a chance to win. And this this is like uncharted territory for him and for the rest of the organization uh, since he's been here. Yeah, I mean, I think it is great that he's not having to jack up 10 to 12 three-pointers a night and the fact that he recognizes all the great shooters around him. And I feel like we don't give Trey enough love on this podcast sometimes. We, we'll, we'll tend to come at him, and me as well. You know, I just like to cross talk about Chris Dunn. But Trey Young is this franchise, and he's actually been overall really good I mean, the three-point shooting right now is the worst thing he's got going on. But his floater game's back. He's making all. He's running the offense, making all the right passes. Uh, you know, he's still putting up some huge point games. 30, 36 against Washington the other night. 30 against Indiana before that. Um, but, you know, he, he's playing differently. He's appreciating the fact that he's winning for the first time in his career. He's enjoying that, and he's letting all these great pieces around him do a lot more work. So we don't need Trey to be throwing. He's not doing those half-court threes that you hate oh my so God. much and I everyone know. hates. I mentioned that last week. I was so glad to not see that as, as often as um, as we you're used to seeing it. Yeah, he, he's cut that out of his game. So, I mean, Trey is the guy that's going to have to show up in the playoffs for us to have any chance of success. And... Um, you know, he's getting to the line. He got to the line 13 times against Washington. Like, that's what he needs to be worried about. Yeah, and minimizing turnovers. Turn the ball over 253 times this year. Um, and a lot of that's been, 74% of that has been when he's dribbling the ball. So that has to be cleaned up. And I think that's something he is probably aware of. I mean, I hope he is. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we don't give him enough credit, but I think it's also good to hold Trey accountable because we expect him to be one of the best players in the league. And if you're going to be one of the best players in the league, we can't, you know, pussyfoot around and say, oh, my God, you know, isn't Trey just perfect and wonderful? And I think the reason we're giving other guys more slack or complimenting them more is because I don't think we expected Bogdan Bogdanovich – or Bogdan, sorry. I don't think we expected Bogdan Bogdanovich to be as incredible as, as he's been, shooting over 50% from three-point range. You know, I don't think we expected Clint Capella to be the 
NBA leader in rebounding. Um, you know, the list goes on. So, and I don't think I didn't expect DeAndre Hunter to be back. I know he only played 13 minutes, but he looked good in those uh, in those 13 minutes. And I hope is he. Do you know if he's starting tonight as well? So they plan to give him today off. Okay. Since it's a back to back with a game Wednesday and Thursday, so he'll be starting tomorrow night. Okay. Well, not starting, but playing at least. Okay. So I'm sure he'll be on a minutes restriction still, but assuming we're not in the play-in game, it's like a week off from the end of the season on Sunday to our first playoff game. So that'll be just like more rest to make sure he's good. So it's a week. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are we officially clear of this silly Not officially. Tournament? Okay. Um, pretty damn, I mean like 99% That's clear. good. And it looks like we're still the uh, the fourth seed right now, even though we have identical records with the Heat and the Knicks. The Heat got some devastating news today that um, Victor Oladipo is out for the rest of the year. Oh, wow. So that's big. And um, the Celtics just lost uh, Jalen Brown as yeah, well. Yeah, they lost Brown. Who's their best player. And so if the season ended today, we'd be playing the Heat. And so the Heat without Oladipo is huge for us. I think the good news about whoever we play is we have more depth than they do. And I think even if we have to play the Knicks, who I know we want to avoid, who has beaten us every single time we've played them this year, you know, the first two times they played us, you know, it was during Lloyd Pierce's the Lloyd Pierce run, and we had, you know, tons of guys injured. And then I think the last time they beat us, it was like, I think that was the game Trey got hurt and Capella got hurt. Yeah, we had a lot of injuries. So still. it's, I think, you know. And we were playing them close that game. Right. So I think you wipe the slate clean with our history with the Knicks in the sense that we haven't played them at full strength. Or if we did, or even when we did almost beat them, we still weren't at full strength. So I don't really give a shit about what happened during the regular season with almost any of these teams. But I think. The big thing to take note of is the absence of Oladipo if we play the Heat. That That is huge, huge for the Hawks. And there's no way we're going to get the three-seed uh, Milwaukee six games ahead of us with, I think, three games left, so that's impossible. But I think, you know, if we were actually having this conversation is a little emotional in the sense that if you've been a Hawks fan for so long and you've watched the struggle ever since this rebuild started, seeing this team as the number four seed in the Eastern Conference is pretty great. I'm really proud of those guys as a fan. Yeah, I mean, I think we went into this. I'd imagine I was probably more optimistic than you coming into the season. We both expected playoffs, though. But, like, fighting for an eight seed, you know? Right. We didn't expect to be the four seed. Right. So, that yeah, no, it, it's it's really awesome, especially with where we were when Lloyd Pierce was fired and we were, like, six, seven games under 500. Miserable. And it's just, like, a phenomenal turnaround. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to see that we're – Going to be watching playoff basketball again for the first time since 2017. Yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. And I love the fact that there's a huge rest period. And hopefully, just keep taking care of business. You know, the good news is is that you're playing against um, the Wizards tonight who are going to be hungry. And I don't know if Bradley Beal, I think he missed that first game. He is still out. But this is a Wizards team who has been really, really hot like yeah. the last month. And we saw them get hot against us in that second half particularly the fourth quarter, um, give but, up 42 but points. But we're going to be equally hungry as well after almost blowing them. Oh, yeah. We're going to want to put them down. Yeah. I can already get the sense of, um, you know, our snipers getting ready to rain fire down upon these bastards. And I think that's one thing that's really going to translate to the playoffs, even though I know our defense isn't very good. The ability to shoot the three-pointer is something that 
you know, obviously the NBA values very highly, but we have so many good three-point shooters. I mean, even Kevin Herter is a really good three-point shooter, and he's probably like your seventh or eighth option. You also got Tony Snell, who's been amazing the whole season in terms of shooting three-pointers. Yeah, so the interesting thing is with DeAndre being back, it's your boy Solomon Hill might be the odd man out. It's kind of between Hill or Snell, and I think you take both their defense is probably pretty equal. They, they, they play solid defense. But, uh, yeah, Snell has yeah, been a guy who's been shooting around 50% from three all mm-hmm. year. So that's probably the guy you go with off the off the bench. But, yeah, DeAndre Hunter coming back could change everything. Like it, he said he felt really good after the game. Nate McMillan seemed, like, genuinely optimistic in his uh, post-game presser after Monday about – DeAndre and how he felt. So, I mean, it, it, it changes everything. Um, at this point, Reddish is the only guy that's out. Yeah, and you, can, roster. you consider him done. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't really well, contributing well, that much anyway. We'll have an off-season conversation about Reddish and what his future with the team is. But, I mean, DeAndre Hunter was the guy that was, like, leading us for the first 20 games of the season. Yeah. So, um, I, I look forward to seeing him play tomorrow night, at least. And I'm sure he'll play some in the last game of the year anyways and we'll see where he's at come playoff time yeah and the good news is you got wizards tonight the magic and the rockets the magic and the rockets are just terrible so you gotta just take advantage of that and you gotta win out i'd love to see this team win out and just say we are the four seed screw everybody below us yeah just for the home court advantage like we were talking about last week um it would be kind of nice to get the core players some rest Know, right, it would be nice on Sunday at least. But the good news is that you're saying there's a week. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I'm fine with just throwing everybody out there because you got a week to rest. I mean, go for broke. Sure. If it was a thing where the playoffs started on Monday or something, then I'd be like, okay, we got to start thinking a little bit more conservatively about this. But I think you go balls to the wall. Yeah, yeah. So Adam Chris Dunn, your boy, the myth. The, the, I thought the, we were the, done talking about him. Well, he. I, well, I think there's one thing left to say about him is I. I think pun absolutely intended is that he is done with the hawks well he's got a two-year contract i think he's going to get moved because i don't think mcmillan likes him he doesn't play him he's like been a healthy scratch well i think he just doesn't have any like mojo with the team you know, like he, he hasn't gelled with the rest of the players from not playing all year yet you know right but i feel like he's not getting the opportunity to, to sort of prove that right he's like appear like once or twice since he's been healthy and he's been healthy scratch every other night it was surprising to see him not get in the game against russell westbrook yesterday or yep. on, on monday where mm-hmm. like the guy had 10 assists in the fourth quarter alone it was just completely going off on us and right there's a history of chris dunn locking up westbrook in the playoffs so, like, that's the time when you would use Chris Dunn. So, yeah. that, that, that was very surprising. But, yeah, he, he's clearly not going to be a part with, with everyone healthy at this point. There's no room for him. So, what are you going to do? Right. It just seems like, especially come playoff time, he would be huge for, you know, upping our defensive game if he's uh, if he's healthy. So, I don't know. I mean, that, that's McMillan. I mean, I, we've already, you know, said in McMillan we trust, so screw it. But – you know, on paper, he's probably one of the best defenders on the team. Especially, he's the best perimeter defender, hands down. So, he's like Pache, though. Great defense. Yeah, can't really do anything no else. No offense. Right, right. Um, but this is it, Adam. Coming down to the final stretch of the season for these Hawks, and then we'll look forward to the playoffs next week. We have a little playoff preview. We'll know who we're playing. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it. 
do a big Hawks playoff deep dive. Hell yeah. All right. Hawks deserve it, man. They're always like third fiddle. I mean, I, I feel like... <laughs> I guess we could talk about the series. I don't know what we're going to do for a playoff preview where like we've been talking about the team all year. Oh, I mean the series. Yeah, series preview. Okay. That's what I mean. Okay, Sorry. okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to have to look at other teams and what they got going on? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Not other teams, just just our team. Or just our, whoever we're playing. Right, right. Yeah. So that's another team besides an Atlanta That's another team. team, yeah. I got it. Be able to talk about them. Just a little bit. Okay. It's like 5%, you know. Yeah. Who, who's their starters? Right. Who's their what superstar? What have they done this year? Yeah. What's sure. our season? What's our history during the season? What, what's Chris Dunn going to do to defend against them? Yeah. And I think, like we've been talking about, that home court's going to be huge. We know Phillips Arena during the playoffs. It's can, State can get, Farm Arena, Graham. Or whatever. State Farm Arena during the playoffs can get super, super rowdy. Um can be a really electric experience, which really started, I think, during that 2007-2008 season with uh, the Zaza Pachulia versus Kevin Garnett. Epic. We took the, took the Celtics to seven games as an eight seed. Yeah, going to be a little different this year, Grant, with not even 50% Right, but I think, fans. I think we can Let's still, still make loud. some noise. Yeah, I think we can still affect the game as, as fans, so I hope enough people are comfortable enough to go out and support the Hawks. I've However, would like to. However many tickets they have, they will sell them all. Oh, yeah, for sure. That for sure. It, it does seem like people are more into the Hawks now than they were like five years ago when we were winning. I, I feel like the Trey Young effect and like just the excitement of building up a team, I think around the city, and I mean, maybe it's just like who I follow on social media, um, it just seems like there's a lot more rumble about them. And like we're getting flexed to national tv games yeah espn tonight right and like we're, we're getting a lot more talk than we would have if this were like the freaking paul Millsap and dennis schroeder hawks of our last playoff team right which that team did get a fair amount of coverage i think the thing that was great about that team is that you thought that team could win it they had a shot like if the season had ended in february that team would have won the nba championship they crushed lebron they crushed the warriors i just remember being like holy shit we can do it and then we just fell apart but we still got the eastern conference finals that, that team for me was Hype City. This team is uh, not quite as Hype City for me. But, yeah, I think people – I think another thing, too, is that people feel really invested with this team because a lot of these guys have gone through such a struggle to get us to where we are right now. Trey Young carrying the franchise on his back. John Collins having to talk about this contract everywhere. Um, DeAndre Hunter. Um, you know, I, only, I know he's only been here for a couple of years, but, you know, you got these homegrown players who have um, – you know, been part of this rebuild, particularly Collins for the longest amount of time. Um, and you've watched them grow and develop and you become attached to them. Whereas, you know, with Millsap, um, Damari Carroll, guys like that, I mean, you still had, you know, Jeff Teague, who was homegrown, and Al Horford. Um, but it just feels different because I think you're exactly right. The Trey Young effect speaks more to what this team can be. Whereas, you know, with that great, the best Hawks team ever, that 2014-2015 team, it was like, this is our shot. We got to just blow we've got to do it go for it now we'll never do better than this whereas you're like the future is bright with this team we don't have to win it all this year and there's no chance in hell we will so it's like well don't tell that to the people in vegas that have put money on the i hawks know they're for. crazy a lot of people are predicting the hawks will win the eastern conference which is just insane but i'm just saying this team is outlook is just two totally different teams like people are getting excited i think more for seeing what this team can be as opposed to thinking about what this team is now and that's cool it's kind of like the 28 team 2018 Braves team that like coming out of the rebuild made the playoffs when we weren't really expecting it 
and then, you know, we win one game against the Dodgers, and that's fine. That's kind of the expectation yeah. for this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think being if we're a four seed, I think at this point, my expectations are I want to win a series. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But if we don't, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You okay. just like to make it competitive. Just make it competitive. Right. But if you do win a series and you do it convincingly, we talk about trying to entice people to come here, that'll – that's something that can entice someone potentially. I mean, Devin Booker was talking about like us after that game against the Suns last week, and he was like, "They just have so many shooters and space so well. Like that's a team that can have real success in the playoffs." Yeah. And if they play like that, like, I mean, there's like, you know, it's like a five, ten percent chance that they can make an actual run. Like, it's not impossible. To no. imagine this team making a run if they click, they got to be perfect though. It's like, like the one team out of the Golden Three Gooses in the East. That I feel like we could beat is Milwaukee. I feel like we could beat Milwaukee in a series. Like we'd still have to be perfect, but that's the best chance we have. The problem is if we play Brooklyn, even though we crush their depth, those three superstars are just gonna. You can't beat them in a seven game series with this roster. There's just no freaking way. And the problem is that that's what it's saying up to be for the four seed. That's the second round. Right. I mean, yeah, you just have to hope that your bench outscores their bench by, like, plus 20 or whatever. Like, at like 60. Like, you have to be you have to be shooting 70% from the field to beat them. Oh, they got a – well, not Durant, though, but, like – Please. Go on an Adam rant. I've been waiting for this for five years. An Adam rant? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just hate all these superstar teams. Oh, like, yeah. What has James Harden ever won, you know? No. Nothing. Right. Like, Dur- Durant's a winner, but he had Steph Curry. And uh, who else they got? Kyrie. Kyrie. And LeBron. He had LeBron. Like, come on. Like, I under, it's it's like Carmelo. It's like everyone's all, like, stoked about Carmelo, thinking he's the best thing ever. He hasn't won anything. So why do we get excited about these players and these loser-ass boring teams? Like, watching them, it's just brutal to watch. That's not fun basketball. It's not team basketball. Like, they're not, those guys are not going to win a championship. I'll tell you that much right now. Like, I'm not saying that we beat them, but I'm saying... Us being 10, 11 deep, hell, you could go to Brandon Goodwin and, like, that's better than, like, their second or third bench player, okay? So, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we can beat a team like that. I don't care if they're superstars. Superstars don't always win championships, okay? Talk to Charles Barkley. Sure. Charles Barkley also didn't team up with, like, Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas, which is kind of like what the... Talk to Dan Marino. (laughs) Okay. He also didn't team up with like Jerry Rice and uh, the uh, who's the original uh, and like Tony Gonzalez or whatever. Yeah, whatever. But like, and Tony Gonzalez never won a. True. Yeah. But he also didn't team. Well, he had a pretty good offense though when he was with the Falcons. So it takes more than superstars to win a championship. Yeah. I think, Although, what do I know about winning championships? Right. It's like, who the hell are you? You never won anything. I, <laughs> Except that 95 Braves team. I just hate, hate, hate all this superstar talk. Like, I mean, if, if you're oh. talking Steph Curry or LeBron, sure, those guys are winners. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of these other guys are just scorers. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I will say this, and I've been saying this, I think, for a few years. The NBA game itself has become really boring to me. I don't watch any games except Hawks games. Even Hawks games can be a little boring for me because it's just a lack of defense. It's like 70 to 62 at the half. I hate that shit. It's like no one plays defense. I mean, you look at tons of box scores in the league, and it's like teams are always shooting over 50%. And that's crazy. 
that's just crazy. It's not fun basketball. Like the the league is in a in a place where I don't know how they're doing ratings wise, but at least for I me, I think the as, best they've ever done. Oh ever. really? Oh great. Yeah. Well, for me as a fan, it's alienating. Like I don't care about the rest of the league because of these superstar teams getting together. Everybody's so nice to each other, and um, just no one plays hard defense anymore. It feels like unless it's the playoffs. The playoffs. It's just even then it can be pretty freaking boring, but. It's it's just I mean I I watched a little bit of like Nuggets versus like the Jazz the other night and I was just like man this is just like watching paint dry. Um, no one gives a shit on defense. That is a good point that I I generally don't have any interest in watching any NBA games outside of the Hawks, but I think that also applies to me for MLB right now as well. Like I I don't mm. I don't want to sit down and watch a full baseball game that's not the Braves. Um. And access for these games like are are not super easy as well. That's what makes NFL so great is that you do want to watch all these games a because of fantasy football, mm-hmm. and b is because you've got like you know two games a day on Fox, two games a day on CBS, and then an ESPN nighter mm-hmm. or whatever. And ABC picks up games, but it's like MLB and baseball, MLB and NBA. You gotta have. TNT, you gotta have local networks, whatever. It's just like it's they should make these things easier to watch if they want to get more eyeballs. Right, which is why I think eventually things will just go to streaming. Like I know NFL did a deal with Amazon, I think to stream more games. Eventually, everything, maybe not everything, but we're gonna start seeing in the next thirty years. It's just gonna be like a streaming world. Everything's gonna be streamed. Well, those games, like uh, last week, the Braves played on YouTube. Yeah, and that's been going on for the last few years. That's cool. Like, I understand the announcers are probably garbage. I, I know people like to complain about that. I looked for that game for 30 minutes. I was like, where the hell is this game? I was like, it's not on Bali Sports, it's not on ESPN. Bally like, Sports. Bally, whatever. Bali, Bally. Silly-ass name. Um, but yeah, then I was like, oh, it's on YouTube. And then, like, you just go to YouTube.com, and it's the first thing they're live streaming. Right. Like, oh, oh, there perfect. you have it. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. I think I think we are going to start seeing that soon. Like, more things are just going to keep going to streaming. Yeah. Baseball is going to keep trying to push that, which I think is fine. I mean, the internet is, like, a more accessible thing for most people than cable TV or satellite or whatever. Sure. So, and Adam, I think that wraps up this week's episode of Atlanta Zone. We will talk Atlanta United at some point in the near future. I'm not going to put a date on it. It uh, probably won't be this month. Yeah, it's uh, Braves and Hawks news is going to have to get a little slower. Yeah. You know, I think the soccer season's pretty long, so... Yeah, it is long. We yeah. don't want to talk early in the season. No. Let's wait to see what's happening. Right. I think maybe in June we'll start talking about United a little bit. Dog days of summer. Yeah. Yeah. When the Hawks probably... Well, maybe the Hawks will still be in the playoffs. You never know. Sure. But we want to thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. I hope you're staying safe, staying safe out there, and hopefully you're not stroking out like me right now. And we'll see you next week. Until then... Rise up, mix it up, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.